This is BBC Radio 4, where now there's the welcome return of an autumn perennial. We present I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue, the antidote to panel games. The piano is Colin Sell, and your chairman is Humphrey Littleton. Hello, and welcome to I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue. You join us this week at the seaside in Southport, the fine Lancashire town in the county of Merseyside. (laughs) Southport as a seaside resort was only really established in the early Victorian era when the town built Britain's first ever pleasure pier. Following refurbishment, in 2003, Southport won Pier of the Year, much to the dismay of neighbouring Blackpool, which could only manage second place in Toilet of the Month. (laughs) The Emperor Napoleon III of France lived here in exile during the 1850s, When, to mark the centenary of the event, President de Gaulle arrived on his official jet at nearby RAF Woodvale, as a mark of respect, the air traffic controllers went on strike. (laughs) Napoleon returned to Paris in 1854 and began the reconstruction of his capital, modelled on Lord Street in Southport, whose town councillors returned the compliment by providing Paris with donkey rides. People of Paris were delighted by this goodwill gesture, pronouncing the donkeys very tasty. (laughs) Influences of Southport's architectural style can be still seen in Paris today. The monument of Les Invalides borrows heavily from Southport's Norman church, while the Pompidou Centre was copied from the east face of Quicksave. Another notable Southport local is Derek Akora, the psychic medium who speaks to the dead through an ancient Ethiopian warrior. But Akora is not the only one in Southport with the ability to summon up those no one's heard of from in <laughs> Let's meet the teams. They are on my left, Barry Cryer and Graham Garden. And on my right... Tim Brooke-Taylor and Jeremy Hardy. And eager, and eager as ever to settle down on my left hand, please welcome our fragrant scorer, the delightful Samantha. Okay, the first round is an educational one in which the team's intellectual skills will be visited upon the world of literature. Hmm. In researching the history of English poetry and prose, the teams have discovered many opening passages of great works which were rejected as unsuitable for various reasons. So, teams, let's hear what rejected opening lines you found for Noddy Goes to Toyland by Enid Blyton. Barry, you can start. Uh, Noddy adjusted the telescopic sight on his Kalashnikov (laughs) and said, this is where you get it, big ears. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a blue hat with a bell on it must be in want of a wife. 
Graham. Noddy liked the way Dolly closed her eyes when he laid her flat on her back. Kim. <laughs> oh. Go on, Noddy, give us a burst of come on, feel the noise, said Mr. Wibbly Wobbly. <laughs> Oh, well, let's, let's try another. We never give up. <laughs> Daffodils by William Wordsworth. Off you go, Tim. I wandered lonely as a cloud and rained all over Manchester. <laughs> I wandered lonely as a cloud that floats on high over vales and hills when all at once I met a crowd who said, we're off to the pub, are you up for it? <laughs> You're dreaming, Barry. <laughs> I wandered lonely as a cloud, and I was whistling through my blue lips. <laughs> Daffodils are yellow, Byron is blue, De Quincey's a junkie, and Coleridge is too. And finally, let's hear your rejected first lines for the book of Genesis. You're not going to believe this. <laughs> In the beginning, there was a cosmological expansion of space-time and matter from a gravitational <laughs> singularity, which came as a bit of a surprise to God. <laughs> OK, the teams are going to sing for us now. Oh, right. <laughs> In the round call, one song to the tune of another. Although you'd think that title was obvious enough, I can see by the look of abject bewilderment in the team's eyes that I'd better provide a simpler explanation. A song operates on a very similar level to a power drill. The machine itself represents the tune carrying the lyrics or drill bit in its chuck. The drill bits or words can be removed and replaced by different drill bits for different jobs. Now, I know what you're thinking, teams. Do we need hammer action and very speed facilities? Well, that's not important. Although the Black & Decker KD960 model is a good one for general use. <laughs> However, teams, with health and safety very much in mind, you should wear both ear defenders and eye protection. <laughs> because there'll be irritating pollutants filling the air. <laughs> that's right. Piano accompaniment is provided by <laughs> Colin Sir. OK, we'll start with you, Tim. Would you please sing the words of You're a Pink Toothbrush, I'm a Blue Toothbrush to the tune of Cum Ronda? You're a pink toothbrush, I'm a blue toothbrush Have we met somewhere before? You're a pink toothbrush and I think toothbrush That we met by the bathroom door Glad to meet toothbrush, such a sweet toothbrush How you thrill me through and through, through and through Don't be hard to on a soft to the ground. You now, Jeremy. Oh. <laughs> he says in a voice of doom. <laughs> Would you please sing the words of God Save the Queen by the Sex Pistols <laughs> to the tune of Tulips from Amsterdam? <laughs> Oh, 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 
God save the Queen, the fascist regime. They made you a Madonna. Potential edge bomb, God save the Queen. She ain't no human being. There is no future in England's dreaming. Don't be told what you want. Don't be told what you need. There's no future, no future, no future for you. God save the Queen. We mean it, man. We love our Queen. Okay, your turn, Barry. Would you please sing the words of James Brown's Get Up, I Feel Like Being a Sex Machine? (laughs) To the tune of Who Do You Think You Are Kidding, Mr. Hitler? (laughs) Fellas, I'm ready to get up and do my thing. I want to get into it, man. You know, like a, like a sex machine man Moving, doing it, you know, one, two, three, four Get up, get on, up, get on, get on up Stay on the scene like a sex machine Captain Mary, And finally, Graham, would you sing the words of Roberta Flax the first time ever I saw your face to the tune of the Dambusters March? <laughs> the first time ever I saw your face I thought the sun run in your eyes And the moon and stars were the gifts you Trembling heart of a captive bird that was there at my command. My love that was there at my command. next game is called Straight Face, in which the player should utter words which must be completely devoid of any comedic content with the object of rendering the theatre totally silent. Apart, of course, from occasional loud snoring, in which case could someone please turn me over onto my side? (laughs) This week the team's challenge is to recall the punchlines to famous old jokes, but without getting a laugh. Which reminds me, I heard a very funny joke at the end of quote-unquote last week. They said they have a listen-again facility. (laughs) Good one, Nigel. Okay, team, start exchanging your unfunny punchlines. Even the slightest titter from our studio audience will result in elimination. (laughs) Tim, you can start. For the fifth time, it's chicken. I suggest you paint it blue and join the police. 
And Snow White said, I only asked for a seven up. <laughs> that was the wind. <laughs> and the chef dropped his trousers and said, you tell me, you're the expert. <laughs> I so said in my Barry voice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you backed off. I do James Cagney as well. <laughs> Private life is no concern of ours. <laughs> and that's why Nicholas Parsons came second. <laughs> Sorry, roar of laughter there. <laughs> You're out. Out. Right. Yeah. Carry on then, Jeremy. And Robin Hood said, so that's why they call you Little John. Kermit in a blender. <laughs> Nobody told me that electrified the fence. And the white horse said, how did you know my name was Glenn Fiddick? <laughs> no, I'm not having that. <laughs> Jeremy, out. Which leaves, leaves Barry Cryer and yeah. Graham Garden. Just one, there are hundreds of them. <laughs> Wear the fox hat. <laughs> I didn't ask for a 12-inch pianist. <laughs> Why the long face? Why the big paws? <laughs> no, it has to be the bull. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. You're right. No, it's me that liked. Barry Wynn makes it worse. I suggest I'll eat grass and you brace yourself. <laughs> You've actually won. <laughs> yes. Yes. Our next round takes us back to the golden days of that perennial children's favourite, Blue Peter. Even that show has succumbed to the electronic age with children impressing presenters with their skill on a three gigahertz computer. Whatever happened to those simpler days when two six-formers could satisfy Val Singleton with a toilet roll tube? <laughs> so, teams, let's see what you can make with just a few spare household items. Tim and Jeremy, you can go first. Right, well, I'm starting just peeling these... Uh, I've got some apples here and some, some pears here, and I'm just going to... Chop up the apples and and some some bananas and uh, just put them all together. It doesn't really matter how they go. Just just combine them and add a little bit of this. Hello. A bit more Leslie Phillips, I think. Hello. 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 Yeah. And there we have it—a fruity smoothie. I've got one here. If you find an organisation in the south of England responsible for this, which, in spite of this, provides this, and is now suggesting we drink this, then borrow eight million of this, and you can delight your little brothers and sisters with one of these... Yes, your very own Mickey Mouse outfit. <laughs> OK, Barry and Graham, show us what you've come up with. Well, uh, yes, now, uh, today we're going to make your own moments from Shakespeare. So we start off with one of these. 
And add a seven-course feast. There we are, in it goes. And a dash of uh, mood music, mood music. And we spice that up with a bit of this. And it's all topped off with one of these. And there you have it. Macbeth haunted by Banjo's ghost. This isn't strictly something you can make. It's something I found down the back of the settee at home. It's from the BBC archive. And uh, I'm sure many of you will remember it. I'd like to uh, play it for you now. was the clocking-off shift at a whoopee cushion factory. <laughs> and uh, if you take one of these... <laughs> and then using one of these... <laughs> you cut down this... And then... Add a touch of this. <laughs> there you have it. A, l a lovely strip pine Welsh dresser. <laughs> well, let's draw a veil over that. <laughs> if that's all I would Jack straw. Too clever. <laughs> The next round is about letter writing and all that that entails. Barry and Graham, I'd like you to start by composing a letter from William Tell to his son. Then Tim and Jeremy will come up with a reply and so on. However, the challenge is that the letters must be constructed by each panellist alternating one word at a time. And when I honk, it's the end of the correspondence. <laughs> all that badger vindaloo was a big mistake. <laughs> Off you go, Barry and Graham. Who is it again? Barry and Graham. <laughs> <laughs> Will William tell? Right. Okay. Dear son, have you been to the pub or the greengrocers to get your apple and take it home and put it on your head? And you then might stand and wait while I, behind the bush, <laughs> relieved <laughs> at the prospect. Therefore, please put an apple on your head and stand over there. <laughs> and no... Not there. <laughs> there. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's better. Close your eyes and you feel nothing. Hopefully. Your loving dad, Bill. Reply from you, Tim and Jeremy. Dear Dad, you are a complete bastard. <laughs> However, I would like to go to university without having loans. <laughs> so, could you pay for me to go to university so I can learn some physics? <laughs> But in case you can't pay for me to go to university, I could give you a shot <laughs> on celebrity <laughs> Apple Mastermind. <laughs> but nevertheless, if you want to go and hit me, then fire away you, comma, <laughs> and I want you to die. You are a big dad. <laughs> Lots of love from your target. <laughs> okay, let's try that again. <laughs> but with different letters, obviously. This time we'll examine the lost correspondence between Doctor Who and Davros, leader of the Daleks. And you can start us off again, Barry and Graham. Dear Davros. What? what? Dear, sorry. Dear. Me. <laughs> I am afraid that I was thinking you would like to come and see celebrity... Big Jesse, <laughs> who will perform for us tomorrow some way or other. However, <laughs> we, you, and the Dalek hordes could possibly assemble and charge the celebrity Big Jesses and thereby cause the war that exists to cease. And we could all restore peace to the borough of Milton Keynes, <laughs> your old chum who. Dear Doctor, I am very happy to make your acquaintance. However, I have plans for destruction of your patio, <laughs> which is very ugly and badly constructed. <laughs> you are annoying and I I'm going to wreck your parasol <laughs> and shed while I am refashioning all your outside barbecue, <laughs> which 
smells of pork and lard, which stinks to high heaven. Lots of love and kisses and hugs and feelings from front to back. <laughs> I am going to exterminate. <laughs> Act of vengeance, love from Devros. That is Bobby Devros. <laughs> well, it's very nearly the end of the show, but there's just time for the teams to announce the arrivals at the RSPB ball. Samantha has to nip out now as she's meeting a birdwatcher gentleman friend with whom she compares notes and photographs. Last time they met, she showed him a chuff. <laughs> And he produced 12 inches. <laughs> Graham, will you start by announcing the first late arrival at a society ball for birders, twitchers and other bird watchers. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome please Mr and Mrs Ross and their son Albert Ross. <laughs> From Israel, Mr and Mrs Neagle and their daughter Golden Neagle. Here's a rather, rather angry Mr. Roddy. Yes, it's a cross bill. All the way from Sweden. Oh, yes. Mr. and Mrs. Won't You, a seagull's crept on the windscreen. <laughs> and their son, Olaf, Won't You, a seagull's crept. <laughs> You're welcome, please, Mr. and Mrs. Over there. No, not there, by the bush. Oh, it's gone. And... Their son, Luke, over there. <laughs> Welcome Mr. and Mrs. Twit and their Twoo children. <laughs> Very welcome. Mr. and Mrs. Sir Pretty Boy then and their son, Hugh Sir Pretty Boy there. <laughs> Who once crossed a parrot with a lion and got a bird that says Polly wants a zebra. <laughs> Very welcome indeed. <laughs> Oh, there's a couple of page-free girls. God, it must be cold. <laughs> Welcome, please, Mr. and Mrs. Rinduck and their daughter, Mandy Rinduck. <laughs> it's an international night. Will you welcome from Madrid, Juan Gonzalez, the well-known bird watcher and aviator. You may remember, Juan flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> and a nice warm welcome, please, for Mr. and Mrs. O'Pigeon and their daughter, Carrie O'Pigeon. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Finch and their Burberry baseball hatted son, Common Chav Finch. <laughs> and here comes Mr. and Mrs. Bennett. There's a chiff chaff on the Volvo. <laughs> and their son, Gordon Bennett. There's a chiff chaff on the Volvo. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as the lumberjack of time plunges his axe into the redwood of doom. And the Conservative member for Wokingham gets all he deserves. <laughs> I notice it's the end of the show, so from the team Samantha, myself and the fine folk at Southport, it's goodbye. Barry Cryer, Graham Garden, Jeremy Hardy and Tim Brooke Taylor were being given silly things to do by Humphrey Littleton, with Colin Sell setting some of them to music. 
The programme consultant was Ian Pattinson, and the producer was John Naismith. And Humph, the teams, and Samantha will be back at the same time next week.